Hello and welcome to Open All Ours QPR podcast. We are recording this less than 24 hours after a brilliant win uh, against Brentford. There's uh, four of us here and we've got a very special guest, friend of the podcast, who um, I'll introduce shortly, but we're delighted is on with us. Um, So uh, with us tonight is Paul Finney. Hello, Paul. Yeah, but that is not. The, the beeping in the background is not Paul. We will reveal where that is coming from very shortly. We also have Chris Charles here. Hi, Chris. Hello. All good? Yeah. Uh, couldn't be better after last night, mate. Um, I don't think the neighbours are too pleased. I think they thought there was a murder being committed last night, but uh, got to smooth that out. But yeah, fantastic. Uh, there was on the players and supporters of Brentford. <laughs> and uh, Mark D is here. Good to be Hi, back. Mark. Welcome back. Now, unfortunately for you, you are not the only Mark um, on the on the podcast, and we've already had confusion when someone has talked about Mark. So you're just going to have to deal with it, I'm afraid, because we have now. It looks like sitting in an athletic stadium or basketball court or something like that in the Bahamas. We have Mark Burcham. Hi, Mark. Oh, guys. Yeah, it's the, it's not. It's the. I'll turn it around. It's the Beach Soccer Stadium where the one my office is at the minute. So, so that's where that is where your office is. Is that right? Yeah, I've got a couple, but yeah, one's one's here at the Beach Soccer Stadium. So, for anyone who doesn't know, you are well. You tell us. You tell us what what I'm, you're doing these days. I'm technical director of Bahamas. Football Association, so not a bad gig. It's all right. As I said, it's about it's about twenty eight degrees today, so it's about normal. A bit cold. I've got tracksuit bottoms on. A bit chilly. So that that does sound an amazing gig. To be fair, um, that doesn't sound bad. You, uh, do you, do you are you out there full time, or do you sort of shuffle yeah, yeah. back out, when you out, can? Out in full time. Been out here since. Well, went back when it was locked down again, and then come back out when it opened up around about September time. So I've been out since September. We got our first World Cup qualifier against St. Kitts on 27th of March. We got St. Kitts and then we got Guyana and Trinidad. The, the legend that is Terry Fennick. So that'd be a good, ah, good game. Is that away? Is that St. Kitts away? No, St. Kitts is at home. We got St. Kitts at home and then I think the Trinidad game will be away. We got Guyana away, but because of COVID rules, it's... It's getting changed all the time, but our game with St Kitts is definitely our own. And technical director, that is you're 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 doing what you're identifying the players and coaching them, and but or, yeah, or is that a bit of everything? everything? Yeah, it's everything. So we're going to be in charge of like improving the grassroots game up all the way up into the men's national team. We're starting a new women's league, women's national team, and U15s and U17s national team. So a wide spectrum and and really good. It's a, going to be a really good project. Excellent. Um, but you still got time to watch QPR, I'm hoping. Yeah, do you know what? If I tell the truth, I stopped watching after we kept losing. And of course, it's the, the, the superstition thing. Like, there, there was one game I couldn't, I was in there, I had a FIFA meeting, so I couldn't make it. And we won. And I thought, do you know what? I won't watch the next game. So I didn't actually watch yesterday's game against Brentford because we've been on a good run. 
and it seemed to worked. I watched the highlights, loved it. And like Chaz coming back, great lad. I see there was a bit of verbals afterwards, which is always nice to see. But no, and that's the only reason I've come on, to be fair. If Vin would have asked me about a couple of months ago, or even six weeks ago to come on, if you'd have asked me, it weren't looking good. We was like we was in a bit of trouble, but uh, Charlie's been a massive signing, not just like on the pitch, but he's such a big personality that can get him through. And it's some something that we needed. Do you I mean it seems almost obvious to say, do you think he's been the difference? It's quite hard to imagine that one person on their own can like almost be the complete catalyst for such a turnaround. No, of course not, but sometimes you need a focal point for something to happen. And even the games he was playing, we weren't being, we weren't playing that bad. We was just letting in goals and making mistakes. But if, do you know what? Any team playing, if you sign an experienced forward and Cork scores in his first game at Luton, it sort of starts giving that belief because like you sign Lyndon, Lyndon Dykes, he comes in, uh, McCauley Bond comes in and they've not played at this level really and scored too much. I know McCauley did a little bit for Chelsea, but Lyndon away, it's a bit like we had a, we had a player at Millwood that we signed Lee Gregory that come from Halifax. His first year in the championship was always going to be hard. And then he went on to be a, a really good centre forward. And I think that would happen with Dykes. I think it was a bit much to ask the lad coming from Livingston to come down and start hitting the ground running and score 15 or 20 goals. It was always going to be a hard task for him. So with, with Chaz coming in, it just eased the pressure on him. There was a question mark over Charlie, like, as, as he still got the legs. But as you see with Charlie, we have always said, if you get crosses in the box and balls into the box, he will score. And that's what I think we was missing before. Well, it's his movement as well, isn't it? Just that movement for his goal last night. Just that, inst- that natural instinct he's got that that maybe players, like you said, <clears throat> less experienced, well, you know, haven't haven't got yet. Um, and the same with Loon. He's just he got that knack of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and the, you look before when Ch- Charlie was first with us, a lot of his goals come from crosses and, and crosses in the box. And he seems, to, he seems to be an expert and that's his trademark. So with us getting... Getting crossed in the box is going to be a must. I think we was miss when when you see a Dykes play, he was playing but not really missing any chances. So that was always a big worry for me. In the first time, he, he, what did he just score penalties before other than the the, Brett, the first Brentford one? And I'd rather have a centre forward missing chances because at least he's getting in the right position. And I know I'm not an absolute expert goal scorer, but you do know about centre. I'd rather him be missing because they end up taking them chances. And with Charlie. Like I've said, he's just that movement, taking the player one way and then going the other way. I, I was just, I just wanted him, I was so desperate, not for us to win, but the way Charlie is, I didn't want to ruin his legacy by him coming back and not being half the player he was and not scoring. You've always got that little thing, but when he scores in his first game, it sort of like eases that worry. And then he, we've got, he's got the role, but we've got the role as a, a team as well. Do you know what else I do as well, Mark? He brings absolute shit hosiery to QPR that we've been missing all season. He will wind people up within an inch of their life. Like, you know, they have yeah, a glass. Ne- I've never been a big fan of that myself, to be honest. <laughs> really, boy? Really? <laughs> really? We should just let the football do the talking. As you, as you know, I'm a, like, I was a master. Like, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy that inside the game just as much as winning and just the like, goal scoring celebration last night I've got loads of time for that that is excellent <laughs> <laughs> when we played Brentford when you famous for accusing their players of having bad breath and every time they talk to you we tend to faint and stuff like that um, 
and we have the breath away. That, yeah. was, was that I a different version? I think Howard Webb got me for that. I still don't know. Is that a book of all things? I don't know. Like, took it and Did started. you get book for it? Yeah, I got book for it, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. I mean, you did... You did score one of the best goals ever against Brentford. I mean, you've got that in your, um, your locker. Yeah, that, that. Do you know what? And again, I think so. I scored my first ever goal at QPR against Brentford, and then that that goal in the last minute away, and then I scored my only goal for Yeovil against Brentford, and it was at the it was at the Brentford end, and I lifted up my top and I had a QPR top underneath, and some come on you was, and then they were throwing all stuff at me, spitting at me. That's yeah. brilliant. Because because you had the you had the John Byrne top on, didn't you, underneath when yeah. you scored against Brentford? Yeah, always, always had the John Byrne top on when I could. Well, I was meant to have it in the first game, but I didn't even check it. But Cat the Kit Man, he didn't put Byrne on it, he put Birch and Mate. And I was like, why would I want Birch Mate on? I've got it on my normal top. <laughs> you don't even see it afterwards. I'm pointing to it thinking it says Burn 10, and then it said Birch and Mate. I only knew after the game. Is so that like, right? You had the. Yeah, um, Brilliant. So, you had yeah, the Bertram's so, 8 Chelsea one, didn't you, as well? That you used yeah, to I had that. And I got a, and I think Ian Holloway was gutted I got away without getting fined for it. He's like, no, <laughs> like, how have you got away with it? Because I think I said oh, it was for some girl called Chelsea. And so it was just my name on it. And I, I, and oh, I was just had, had a message for Chelsea. But of course, it was Bertram's 8 Chelsea. But we all obviously hate Chelsea. But the, the Brentford rivalry, to me anyway, it's sort of, it's like a bit you know, of an irritant. You know, do you know what? Never been a rivalry. Like even like last night, I weren't even that bothered about it. Like it was a rivalry, and I know like people give me stick about it. But growing up for me, it was always Chelsea. Like there was a hierarchy. Like probably Chelsea didn't really care about us. We hated Chelsea. Brentford them hated us. Fulham sort of no one really bothers about. But Brentford hated us. We weren't really bothered about that. The only time like because of. He's a relative Phil older and he used to be assistant manager at Steve Perryman. I remember loads of QPR fans used to go at Brentford games if it was International Weekend or it was too far to go away. You'd always see QPR fans there. And it was the, the only time I knew there was a rivalry. I was playing for Mill. It was a Friday night game live on Sky and we was playing Brentford and playing and they were singing in the away end, like stand up if you hate Rangers and then clap your hands if you hate Rangers. And like Mill players give it, but what's that, what's that about? No, no, I'm a big QBL fan. I said, I've not got a clue. And that, yeah. was the first, and that was the first time I knew there was a bit of a rivalry between QBL and Brentford. But I think it's more that they're, they're, in recent times, they just seem to be quite arrogant, quite, they think they're the big I am, cock of the walk, love giving it to us. Um, well, so to me, it's I like know, a I can't understand that because as QBL, we've never been like that. We spend an absolute multi of millions on players in the Premier League. We never gave it big leaps, did we? So, <laughs> so we, again, we went from everyone's probably se favourite second team to then when we was in the Premier League, everyone ate us. So I think they're getting the end of that. Well, they're, they're playing on the, the underdogs, a bit like when Bournemouth got up because they spent loads of money and they had uh, loads of big uh, players on big wages. Again, Brentford, if you look at their squad, it costs more than us. I know they've made more money by transfers, but they're playing a bit on the underdog one. And it's a bit like that. It's like Man City, Man you the noisy neighbours. It's like, it's not life or death beating them. You just don't want them, like, getting a bit leery when they do win. Mark, yeah, Mark but, D, yeah. are you going to come in? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm born and bred in Labrick Grove, West London, all my life. I'd never, ever had met a Brentford fan in my whole life. And that, and that tells you everything you need to know. But, but because you're not in, you're not in you don't know 
It's because you're not in Middlesex. That's why they're in Middlesex club. If you go in Middlesex, you probably see quite a few Brentford fans. I didn't go on the two three seven enough, so yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not my manner. It's, it's <laughs> weird, Lamar, because when we when we we used to play, with, you know, you you were going as a kid. Uh, we played with friendlies, didn't we? When Crunchy yeah. played and, and stuff, and it was fine. But the only time I, I noticed there was something odd is, I don't know if you remember this as well, Chris, when we played them the first time, they wouldn't announce our team. Yeah. The announcer just went, that lot from Shepherd's Bush. And you're like, never heard that before. And they, they spelled our name wrong in the programme. They tried all this yeah. shithousery to wind well, us up. It's like, you're Brentford. But that's the announcer. Yeah, the announcer geezer, he sort of like, he wrote a letter into the FA for me and Kev for celebrating in front of their fans. at the We beat no. them one was it Tony Fault scored? Yeah, Fault scored at home. And course, at the end of the game, we're on the half, well, past the halfway line, cheering and waving at the Brentford fans. And so he wrote a letter to the FA trying to get us fined for crowd, uh, inciting the crowd and everything. Yeah, and but we, I said, and we said, no, 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 our families are in the A and B block of South Africa Road. So we was waving from blowing them kisses. And they're like, <laughs> So that's where the complimentary tickets are. That's where our family are. That's what we was waving at. Nothing to do with Brentford. And so we got away with it. That one. And yeah, it was in, I think there was a bit in the evening standard and stuff, how we wrote the letter and said that we were a disgrace to the club. I was like... There so is another letter got, coming. Yeah. Mark, I want to know when, 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 the, when the Bahamas players appeal against a fine... And they give an inventive answer. I'm wondering if you're on that tribunal or not, and if you're buying the same excuses. Yeah. But if they know if they get away with it, it's a great issue. That's the what I'm behind. Sorry, if, they get, if, they, if they get found guilty, it's their fault. It's the, so you've got to be an inventive one, yeah. There was another one at Blackpool I got done where I sort of like punched Richie Wellings and then Steve McMahon jumped up and I think I called him Phil, like uh, Phil Mitchell, because he was shouting. And then uh, I think I gave him a hand gesture, and then I got reported to the. You waved about that, yeah. I, I was, I'd said that no, I was shooing him away. I think it was. <laughs> I was you can look at your excuses, mate. Yeah, no, I, I think Holloway kept wanting me to get done. He was like devastated because he got fined for saying something the week before, and he didn't get away with it, and then. There was another time, like the FA, I got done for 22 bookings in my first season, I think it was. Um, and then the second season, I got 21. But in the first one, I got a warning about future conduct. So the second season, it was that you had to go up the FA. So I'm getting done. I think I'm getting a ban. I'm getting a fine. And then when we was there, they let me off for uh, good behaviour. And like Ollie's giving, he's got 22 last year, has he? Right, Ollie, sure, sure. But he got like a five grand fine for a comment he made after the game. He was devastated. So, when, what's your most memorable? What is your most memorable thing you've said to someone on the pitch that you've been quite proud of that you haven't been done for? I would hardly anything. Like I, I can't really remember. There's there's things I've said that I that I couldn't remember. I've said before, but. Nothing too near the knuckle, I don't think. Just the a usual bit, bad breath. Yeah, I bit a couple of players before, but I suppose that's probably the worst thing. 
So who, who was who, who? What fans gave you the most shape? Millwall, I suppose, or Brentford? Well, or like, like the, 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 the famous Millwall bird shit on his head game. That was like Millwall being nice. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's like Mill. I said in the press, it was Mill being nice, it's great. They clapped me afterwards. But the return game, well, they was vicious because I said they were being nice. But I would say, Brentford, you know, Brentford fans were the ones that were in the general public would give me the most abuse. Like, if it was at a pet Yeah. Well, it's a bit hard to heart. You can't really hide when you've got blue and white mold, to be honest. So it's hard to blend in. <laughs> So like when you're at the, like coming back from the training ground, you set perpetual at Ealing, and then there's a couple of Brentford fans. They're giving you abuse straight away. But I was giving. No, I've always liked Brentford. I've got no problem with them, which I ain't. But like it's only Chelsea that I dislike. The rest of the clubs are all fine. So Stoke fans still give me abuse because of that famous game. So if I see a Stoke fan when I'm away on holiday, uh, get abuse from them. Uh, Cardiff fans they dislike me quite a bit. So quite a few. Like, it'd be easier to say which fans quite like me. So, <laughs> I think I think Luton had a bit of a problem with you as well, Mark. Yeah, yeah, because at a Luton game as well, I remember they threw a cigarette lighter on the pitch to try and hit me, and I just like tended to spark up a, a cigar in front of them. I was like waving at them. So again, Luton disliked me. We're quite a few, which is very strange. I'm a likable person, you know what I mean? I'm nice and positive. You're always positive, Mark. Always. Yeah, I know, yeah. I weren't um, about QPR about six weeks ago, but lucky I weren't on them. <laughs> so, so Mark, I think it's it's what two, three years since you were last at the club. Yeah. Um, since your when you were assistant manager, I think it was. What What do you make? I guess as someone that's been involved very closely, but also as a fan, are you happy with where the club is now? Yeah. Well, you can't have too much high hopes. I think we're in, what was it, a transition period. I think we've been in there for about eight years, but they didn't put a timeline on the transition, did they? Very clever. I like their business model there. (laughs) It's it's hard because you're only three results away from it being the end of the world with supporters. It's strange. Like We are where we are. Look, we've, we're trying to be self-sufficient. We're, we're cutting the money back. We're trying to get young players in the team. And we are what we are. We're never going to be well beaters, I don't think. I think, look, if we sign a couple of players and it all fits into place with the championship, you've always, there's always that hope we can have that one good season getting the playoffs. Or, but you're just as close from having that one bad season and being in the relegation zone. So I think as, as long as the club's being run right financially and we've always got our QPR... That, that's all we want. We want to go to Loftus Road. We want to be entertained and we want exciting games and you'll win some, you lose some. But let's all be honest, we support QPR mostly because we have to and we're forced to. It's not out of choice. So if it ain't out of choice, don't expect it to be win many things. But it is like, I, I get uncomfortable when we're doing too well because don't know how to cope with that. I'm used to QPR, maybe winning a couple, losing a couple. But for me, it's all, it's, it's just a family thing for me. It, you want to go down there. You want to go down with, I remember my granddad taking us down there with my dad and now my dad's taking my grandkids down there. And when we go back, I get, I get more emotional about that. When, when, when I come back and we go as a family to watch QPR, then I think I ever did as a player playing because I see my kids supporting QPR and I see my dad. And I think that's what it's mainly about. As I said, I've, I've actually got more, more emotional Supporting QPR than I ever did playing and 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 
coaching them. And um, what, what do you make of um, Mark Warburton? Because it's fair you, you referenced that the bad run we were on, and it, it's fair to say that a lot of thought people thought he was heading for the old tin tack. Um, and... <laughs> that, that, I think they agreed. The sailors agreed over there as well. <laughs> What, but, is that? It sounds like there's someone permanently reversing in that beach soccer stadium, Mark. Are you by the? Are you by the sea or something? Yeah, yeah, right, right. We're right on the seafront, so it's not like. Look, I think if I turn it around, you've got the Atlantis Hotel in the background. I don't think if you can see it over there. Oh yeah, so, yeah. There's so, a load of ships, load of cruise ships. Sorry, Chris. Carry that's on. That's right. Now that's far more interesting. Than what I was saying. Yeah. So Warburton, like I said, we thought he was probably going to be on the way out. We talked about Charlie Austin, who's like been the catalyst for the revival, but we've won six out of seven. So do you do you like what you're seeing now? Do you think he's the right man for the job? No, like I don't think you could do much more with us. It all depends. It, the one thing I would say, Mark, I think he does play good football. He's good, attractive football. But I do worry we need a plan B because you can't always win. You can lose games by playing good football and you can win games by playing good football. But there's a lot of games where we didn't change when I think we needed to. I think it's great being attractive football, bringing players in. And he's had he's had a lot of turnaround for players. Really, this is his team. So you can start judging him now. I think that's what let us down a little bit is, of course, set pieces. We was away from Rubble and set pieces. And when we was there, we had Matt Smith, who was probably the best plan B in the league. And you can go direct and it'd be exciting. In the, in the second half or the last 20, 30 minutes of games. And I think that's just what we was missing. But he's probably doing what he should be doing now. And if you if you don't have goal scorers in your team, you're going to always struggle. And I think, again, centre-forward's always better when they're not at your club. Like people saying about Naki Wells and Jordan Hugel. I think the fans were forgetting... They were getting right fed up with them when they was at the club. Like Naki Wells, he was getting a bit of abuse just before we. I think we played Cardiff. He scored that trick, and he, he scored about the last three or four games. And then you start thinking he's like Alan Shearer. We need him back. And I think with Jordan Hugo, I think Jordan struggled a little bit for goals, and then he scores on his last game at Middlesbrough, and then everyone thinks, well, we need Jordan Hugo to score. So it's always a rock and a hard place. But I think. If he gets money to bring players in, which he has done with Johansson and Charlie Austin, then you can judge him judge him when he's got his team there. But look, if we're mid-table, I think that's a decent season. And I've always said, you just work on, if you can finish higher up than you did the season before, then it's progression. And then you keep doing that, you end up in the playoffs and you end up going up. Um, there is a man on this podcast who, we'll, we'll come to later, but there's a man on this podcast who genuinely thinks we're going to make the playoffs. Where um my dad on there again, like what do you think, Mark? Is that in is that a complete pipe dream? Or is that as you never know? I would say yes, because we're a couple of injuries away from struggling. But I will say no because how stupid the championship is. But again, we was getting relegated three or four weeks ago, and now (laughs) the same people that thought we were getting relegated have now think. They're trying to plan promotion and will the fans be allowed in in the uh, playoff final? Like, that's how crazy I think uh, a roller coaster supporters can be. But as I said, if we can finish mid table, we can finish better than we've done last year and we've got something to build on next year. I think I, I would take that for QPR. I'm not, maybe like people have got me for not having high expectations and we should raise the bar, but you've got to be realistic as well. And 
as I said, if we can if we can see we've got some good players that we sell on value, if we've if we've got young players coming through, because I'm trying to look at the team now with young players coming through, but maybe we could have a bit more. We've got Ilias Chair, we've got Rob Dickey that we brought, Senny, the goalkeeper, you could get a few quid for, but I don't know what other uh, other young players we've got coming through. So we've got to look at the next lot that are coming through. Can they be good enough? And and that that will be a big question mark. The next crop of youngsters coming through, are they good enough? Can we have it? That's when you've got to convey a belt. A bit like, don't want to mention it, like Brentford, they sell a player, they've got one ready to come in. Or they sell a player, they've got one, they're ready to buy. And that's when you've got a really good production line. And if we can if we can do that, then we'll take that as QPR fans. And again, as QPR fans, we want to see exciting games and us being good at Loftus Road. I think that that's a big thing. It's it's tricky, little Mark, because I know you you're you're a big fan of the youth setup and everything else, and so am I. But the trouble of the Brentford model is that they totally started from scratch, got rid of the youth, and are picking up players from here, there, and everywhere. And yeah, but if, and I'm on, if I'm honest, Finn, I, that was my opinion when I was doing a youth team with Steve Gallen, and I was first twenty-one coach. I advised them to scrap the academy and have a B team, and then, funny enough, Brentford have ended up doing that because you look at you look at QPR, and especially with the new academy system they put in, to have a youngster come in at nine and ten, go all the way to your first team, is not impossible because they're either that good. Because you've got to remember, they're not QPR fans, most of them. Normally, Chelsea can buy a 12-year-old for, I, I don't know, 10, 15 grand. It's nothing to them. They're buying them up left, right and centre. So the good ones are getting bought for next to nothing. And at the end of the day, you're bringing in, well, look at the lads that come in. Ilias, easy. They all come through. Uh, they come to the club once they got released at 18. So I, I still I still believe for a club like QPR, when you're surrounded by so many big clubs that are paying massive amounts in the academy, it's so hard to run an academy and get money off it. You, you could do it with a B team, like the model that Brentford are using. But yeah, I think me and Steve Gallen were both saying that should be the role we should have gone down. So instead of big money, you just do it on one team. Who, what player are you most excited about, Mark, at QPR at the moment? Yeah, sorry, you just cut out there. What was that again? Uh, what what player are you most excited about who's at QPR at the moment? Well, for me, probably because I'm a bit biased and I worked with him and we gave him his debut would be Ilias. And I think he's a, he's a great footballer. And you know he's a great footballer because he can... He can do a job anyway. He can play out wide, cutting in. He's a number 10. He can play a number eight, which he'd done for us when he made his debut. And he can even play like the holding midfielder. The one thing when he first came in, Ilias, and uh, Ilias's agent is a good friend of mine, Thomas Rosinski, the old Canadian centre forward. So I think when we gave him his debut, he came in as a number 10 and he was a typical number 10 where he didn't really do much off the ball. And like, was telling him as a midfielder, look, 50% of your games without the ball. So you need to you need to work hard, especially in your own boxes, you do get him forward. And I think his debut against Birmingham, he, he cleared one in his own box. And then five minutes later, he's up the other end scoring, like a, a ball come in the box and he scored. And he, he's a football intelligent. And he, he wants to do well and he loves football. He watches football. And I think he's the next one that will probably leave QPR, but as long as he leaves for the right amount of money, like Easy did. And what about Eze? Because obviously um, you, you work with him as well. Um, 
did you did you think that he was going to go on and 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 be such a good player lighting up the Premier League that he has been and and can you see him going on to bigger better things? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think he will go on and you'll get a sell on value for him. I always said with Easy like and. That's how much I liked him. I convinced Gareth Ainsworth to take him on loan at Wickham because I knew he'd light it up and I wanted him to go out on loan because I was always pushing him to, to, show, to show Ian and the other people at the club, look, he can do it at that level. We can do it definitely doing our team because the player that he was, it was like, there was one story with Easy that that's when I knew he would, he had a fantastic chance of getting all the way. We, I think we played Brentford fun enough in the Carling Cup and it was always planned, don't matter who we had in the Carling Cup, we had to play the second team because of injuries to players. And, and Easy was going to be in the squad and then for some reason, Ian changed his mind and, and left him out. And the, the day before, so I think we played Brentford on Wednesday, the Tuesday night on a Monday night, the under 23s or 21s played Southampton away. And I travelled all the way down there just to see his reaction because, one, he's disappointed. He thought he could be playing against Brentford in the Cup and then he's not made the squad. Well, it was probably the best. And Southampton had all their international players in there, like youth international players, and he absolutely destroyed them. It's probably one of the best under-23 performances I've seen on a player, both on and off the ball. And then that's when I thought, yeah, you've not sold. You've gritted your teeth. And even though you're a flair player, you've probably put the best display I've seen at 23. And I said to him after that, like, that'll do for me. You're definitely, you're definitely playing higher and you, you could play in the Premier League because you, you should always just players on, on how they deal with disappointment because over half your career be disappointment unless you're playing at one of the big clubs. You can't, you can't win the league. There's only two or three teams that can get promoted and you're dealing with injuries. So always judge a player when he's going for a bad time or he's had disappointment. And that for me was, don't worry about his skill and how good he was. It was that mindset that I thought, yeah, he can he can definitely go all the way. Very good. And Mark, you haven't got any good players for us over there, have you? You haven't got any that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been recorded, haven't it? Yeah, loads. Load, but you know, with Brexit and work permits, they can't really get in there. Or, or we got five or six that could play for QBR. <laughs> is, Frankie Fredericks is is the the sort of chief Bahama sports person, isn't he? But I, I think so. I don't know. I pulled it out, but I'm gonna have to Google it. To be fair, we got a couple of NBA players from here. We got a couple of baseball players. So, but the track and field athletics is the biggest sport here. So, the players that we got are very athletic because that that's in their that's in their DNA. That's number one sport. So, we have got to try and build up football to to try and challenge it and get up there. You know what you could do, Mark? You could get QPR over there in pre-season, and um, everyone gets a nice. I've already sent the invite to Les. I've already sent it. So. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? We could all travel over there, do a podcast. I, mean, do a I can do a pa- I'll, I'll do a package holiday, but it all depends if COVID's if COVID stopped. They're more than welcome to come over. The, the other thing I was going to ask you, Mark, is um, obviously you, you left QPR and you didn't get a chance really to say goodbye to everyone and stuff like that. Though, and and I'm sure you'll you'll be back again because you, you you're one of our own. Did that hurt a wee bit not being able to say goodbye properly to the fans? No, not really, because. I sort of, because I'm close with Tony and speak to him, I sort of see it coming. Steve McLaren was at our last 20 games, I think. And of course, you had to hear the rumours. And, and I remember, 
I think it was a home game. What was it? Birmingham. We beat them 3-1. I think the average age of the team were 23. And I said to... I remember coming in after the game. I said, you know what, Ollie? We've done our job here. Like, we've cut the wage bill down by a third. Uh, we got the young lads in that we said we are. We were 15th in the league. And then I sort of said, I think, I, I think your time might come to an end, Ollie. And then we was away at Leeds. And then we said, look, if they, they're looking to push in the playoffs, which they, the next year they wanted to, and we didn't have the squad to do it. And I don't think Pep Guardiola could have got that squad in the playoffs. So I remember sitting on the bus with Ollie saying, look, if they want to get in the playoffs, they might need someone else. And it turned out that they wanted to go, I think, Steve McLaren, because I think Steve McLaren said he could coach that team into the playoffs and fair play to him if he, if he could. And I remember... And the club were brilliant with me. They wanted me to stay there and be a cute yard coach, but I didn't think it was right. Ollie was the manager. I was his assistant. And I don't think you should stay on if the manager goes. And I didn't want to be there and be a coach and not... Not have a I just thought it was new people in that they had the best opportunity they could to do well for QPR. So, and I ended on a good note. I thought we had a really, really good end to the season. We, as we said, we hit all our objectives. Our home record was good, which they wanted. We got the young lads in the team, which we, if you look at the lads that have gone on from the lads that we gave their debuts to, I just thought it was the right time to go. And yes, I'd love to be back one day in some capacity. And I think I will do, but I, at that time, I just thought it was the it, it was the right night to go on. I, I, I didn't say goodbye, but I sort of did in that in that last home game. I sort of knew it was coming. Mark, no, before, before you go, I wanted to it's it, it resurfaced again this story because um, Andros Townsend mentioned it on Talk Sport. Uh, you know what I'm going to say, Dave? <laughs> Armin Traore. Can you talk yeah. us through the? Uh, can you talk us through that? Well, I, I do want to say I, I got on really well with Armin. He's a great lad. And I know he, he probably was a bit disappointed that I named names, but it was such a good story. I thought, well, if if a, if a defender come in with tear gas and wanted to run, I might want to sign him. So I thought I was doing him a favour. Like, it shows he's got a bit of personality. But, yeah, it was. you look back on the stories, you can look at them. It was, it was quite true. Yeah, Sean Derry didn't know what was quite happening. But, yeah. yeah just, for those uh, that don't know, can you just... Briefly, I don't days. know. Oh, David doesn't know. I don't know what we're uh, talking about. Oh, uh, so a brief talk about it. There was a fight in training, and then they've rucked. And then, next thing you know, a player has come in with a can of tear gas, wanted to tear gas everyone. One, it was in the tunnel when everything's enclosed, no one's got a gas mask. I said, One, you're going to gas mask yourself, and two, what are you doing with gas? What are you doing with tear gas in your car? Can't you have a baseball bat like normal people? But I think too much Call of Duty. <laughs> and then, yeah, just one of a hundred stories that could be told at that time. So, And it was Sean Derry, the person he was going to... Uh, he, yeah, he had to... yeah, Sean Derry sort of was a little bit worried, which is fair play to him. He's not come across tear gas before. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Very good. Uh, Mark, Mark, we're going to... Uh, we're going to... Carry on the podcast, but we're going to let you go. You've probably got a pina colada to sip around the port or something like that this afternoon. Yeah. So we'll... Well, yeah. 
It's a bit cold, as I said, it's only about uh, 27, so us locals wrap up at that sort of <laughs> weather. What's it, what's yeah. it like back there? Is it the same? About 26. It, <laughs> yeah, no. it, it was nine. It, it, it was all right today. I actually I actually left the winter coat and put the spring coat on, but in comparison to the Bahamas... What's that, what's that called? There? A, a coat? What's what like? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very Look, good. Uh, no, um, pleasure, lads. You know, I could talk about QPR like, all day and evening, so I better go and pretend to do some work. I mean, do some work. We'll get you on again soon, Mark, because we've got to go through um, yeah. the... Uh... Yeah, I'll, wait, I'll wait till we run five out of six again, so that might be next season. <laughs> well, listen, right. when Terry Fennick comes over, see if you can persuade him to come and do yeah, a podcast. No, I will. I will. I'll get, Ter- I'll get Terrence on there. I've already dropped him a few calls. I've, I think my brother's... My brother shipped out his, his actual Guinness top as well because he, he was my brother's actual hero. So I had John Burney, I had Terry Finney. We had two John goldfish. Well, Mark. Yeah, well, we had two goldfish like John Byrne and Terry Fennick and Terry at John Byrne, which I was devastated about. I didn't know goldfish could eat each other. My brother was absolutely buzzing over it. So he's still around. Excellent. Take care of yourself, Mark. Terry was even harder as now as a goldfish. So, so that <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Uh, Take care. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. Bye. See ya. Um, that's, yeah, QPR goldfish. I had a goldfish as well. I had a, I had a goldfish called Sinton. I remember you saying that. I remember you saying yeah. that. Yeah. We're we're the budgie ones at the cat. What that was, was the budgie called? That Busby. was the budgie named after a QPR player. Busby. No. I was in Martin Busby. No, as in Busby, as in the BT yard. Yeah, but you could get away with that. Yeah, well, yeah. I was I was back in Belfast. I was about six or seven then before. Oh, you, had, you weren't even heard of QPR at that stage. No, not really. And all, all I remember is a lot of feathers in the in the kitchen. It wasn't clever. It was it was six or seven. That's probably about the time Martin Busby was playing for us. Well, you see, this is this is true. All right, but that, you know what? You never know what the frig you're going to get with Mark, do you? He's he's, he's you, you can talk to him for hours and end. And we didn't even scratch the surface, did we? So we'll have to get him on again and um, ask him some questions about some well, stories. We didn't really talk much about the Brentford game either. We haven't really um, picked pick that to pick. Um, we haven't. And, and like let, the, let, me bring, let me bring the other Mark in. Yes, we should Let do. me bring yeah. the other Mark in because um, quite difficult to... Uh, yeah, when we have Bircham on, no one really gets to talk apart from him. Um, but I, I sort of was thinking about uh, putting you on the spot there, Mark, because you, um, from what I saw on social, um, you 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 got some doubts about Dykes. Am I right there? Yeah, I'm. I mean, look, I, I think just what I just what I just watch him at the moment is his touch is not there. He's not getting in the right areas. Uh, sorry, the photocopy is bleeping. <laughs> um, he's just not getting in the right. Areas, his touch is off. Um, I mean, the one last night where he, uh, early on in the game, the Brentford defender passed it straight to him on the edge of the box, and he, he just he just ran it out of play. He looked completely devoid of confidence. Um, yeah. But the, the issue the issue is, look, he may come good. You know, um, I was talking to Ian Ian McCullough, and he he said to me he was speaking to a Peter for a friend, and Tony was similar three years ago. So you you never know how a player is going to develop. And um, the fact is that the fixtures are piling up now. So we are going to need him. Um, he's going to have to play. And, you know, 
I guess, I guess, you know, it is tough. But, you know, when you look at what Charlie's come in and done, I know it's hard to... He's, he's not obviously not nowhere near... He hasn't had a career like that. You know, he's new to this league, you know. So I think we have to give him time and, you know, show a bit of patience. But, you know, we're sticking in games at the moment. I thought it was interesting what... Um... Yeah. Sorry, Mark. No, no, no sorry. I, I thought it was interesting what Bertram said. Oh God, this is this is a nightmare, isn't it? Mark, you speak. Go. No, I, I just I was just going to finish off by saying, look, we're sticking in games at the moment. You know, we're not losing games in the first half, and we're sticking in there. So you know, the odd goal here and there. You know, if he does pick up a goal in a in a, in a win, it might just do his confidence the world of good. You know, because the games are tight. The ones we're winning. It's one of them things, you know, it, it, it desperately, desperately, desperately needs a good two games, three games, whatever, where he's involved, he's bouncing off players, he's there bouncing off him, he's putting the ball in the back of that, or even going close. I mean, what, the example you used last night, I don't think he's expected the ball and he just panicked. And I think, you know, we forget as well, he's new to the professional game. He played in Scotland and he's come up here. It's going to take a while. I'm just not sure by playing him and his confidence training week by week is maybe what's needed. There's going to be an interesting um, development, I think, with him where they're going to have to start thinking about his confidence. And if it gets any worse, it could finish him. We need to be careful. I think what's happened with him was we. he's obviously a player who needs development time, like Mark said, like Mark Bertram said. But what happened was he came in, he came from Livingston and then he scored, he made his Scotland debut and scored two or three goals for Scotland very quickly. And all of a sudden he was king of Scotland for a month. And all the Scottish football fans that I know were saying like, he's the man. And all of a sudden he was sort of catapulted probably further along in terms of status than he, he, like, than he needed to at that time. And so he's, he, he had very high expectations from that purple patch he had for Scotland, which has sort of not really been fair on him. And I wonder if that hadn't have happened, if he hadn't have got into the Scotland squad and he had just developed at the rate that you would assume a centre-forward from Livingston would develop at, though coming into the Championship, whether actually it would have been better for him. But he's possibly suffering from very high expectations because of that initial burst he had when he joined us. Well, you know what? He's, he's in the same place that Washington was at with Northern Ireland in the Euros, where exactly the same thing was happening. Washington was doing okay for Northern Ireland in a green shirt, but couldn't hit a barn door with a tank for QPR. It was, and I think the same thing's happened with Dykes. I mean, you, you almost think if he gets a good Euros and a bid of 20 million comes in, would you stand in his way? <laughs> no, that's what we need. We need him to have a good Euros and then we need his confidence up and we need to somehow get him to work at QPR. I mean, it takes time. Like, Les Ferdinand, if you judged him when he first came to QPR, you'd have binned him. You know, it's it, it's just a moment changes a player's career and he just needs that wee bit of luck, that wee, yeah. something to go right for him and his confidence. I don't know what it is, if it'll ever happen for him, I don't know. But the trouble is with Bones going through a similar type thing as well. So you've got two out of form strikers so, and then you've got Charlie Austin. So it, it's a real tricky situation. Would you, would you, Mark, would you start um, Willock um, for the next game? And obviously, I think Charlie with Willock and Chair are sort of alongside him or <clears throat> just tucking him behind him. That seemed to work really well last night. But I, I think 
Warburton quite likes Willock as a fresh pair of legs running against a tired set of legs. So maybe that's what he's thinking is. I mean, Dykes will probably go goalless for the rest of the season and then he'll score against England for Scotland and ruin my whole summer. I mean, that's how it's going to go, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I do agree um, on the Willock thing. Um, you know, I, 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 he's so good. He, I mean, he looks like he's super talented. His ceiling is obviously... You, I think you can see his ceiling is, is quite high. Warburton is quite good at easing these young players in. So I'm wondering if his time is is coming soon, actually, for Chris Willock. I think I think he's starting to 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 show too much to be to be just sitting on the bench and coming off as an impact coming on as an impact player. Yeah, I agree too. And you know, maybe as Paul said, maybe um rather than persisting with Dykes, maybe he needs to be taken out of the limelight for a couple of games. Brought, brought back in again or, or, you know, brought on as a sub, see what Willock can do from the start. But, you know, I've got to say, you know, last night, really, it's, um, you know, you can't have a go, you can't have a real pop at anyone because, I, I don't know, I, I think you've got to focus on the positives from last night and that was those two goals in four minutes, which, like I say, almost lifted the, the roof off our house. And um, I don't know, I, I get what Bertram's saying because... It, Brentford to me is like the, the younger brother, you teach him to play pool and then he starts beating you, you know. They're sort of like an irritant to me. And the, but the fans, like I said, are quite arrogant. Whereas Chelsea is, you know, you're, <laughs> prop, that's your proper sort of hatred. But it did feel so good to beat them last night and just stick it up them for once. I think the thing with Brentford is, I was said many times, I, when I first came over here, I, I, I got chased by Brentford fans, but I thought they were Stoke City fans. That's how much they meant to me at the time. And I hate Luton more than they hate Brentford. But, I'm sick to death of losing to them and freaking Fulham and any team in London derbies. Our record is appalling. And it's more about just just having a wee bit of pride into the, the, the local area again. And we, you, It's not even bragging, mates. It's just actually turning up because, let's face it, we haven't turned up many a game against them. Not we've, we've just rolled over and, and it's happened. You know, and they start saying this happening again and winds you up. And last night I felt, first half, it could have gone absolutely pear-shaped and... Second half, we dug in, we got the result. Wallace and Kane have been quite good, actually. Barbet has been amazing. The turnaround in Barbet has been absolutely mad. I, I, I didn't see that coming at all. So, such a better player in a free. Such yeah. a, so, so much better yeah. in a free. I think it's, it's done the world of good. Cameron, I still think, can be ropey in that free, but Cameron had a good game last night. I think I think it, the player we really should be you know, uh, praising is, is Wallace, I think. The amount of pelters he has had this season, and in the last two games against you know top six teams against what against Watford against a, a twenty million pound winger, and then last night against Brentford, you know team flying high, you know only just lost the game after being twenty one unbeaten, you know and he's had another good game. So I think you have to give him a lot of credit for his performance. Yeah, I think what he's, I think what he's done is second goal. Sorry, Paul. It's all right. Maybe I'll forgive you. It, it's it's, easy. it's, it's, it's day after we can see each other and we can just say I'm I'm going next, but so I do apologise, Paul. Go on, off you go. Well, we, maybe after a year of doing this, we should raise our hands. There's an idea. <laughs> um, the, the thing about everyone else Brentford, does, you know, Finney. Everyone else does raise their hands when they want to talk. I can't blame my dyslexia for that, can I? No, you can't. Okay. Go on. Um, bingo card coming up. Anyway, sorry. Look at you. But the thing is about 
the, the way that the team's going with Wallace and everything else, you can see why he was brought to the club. But before, you know, he was having a nightmare. But you're, you're right, Mark, in what you say. Changing the three has made Keane a better player. It's made Wallace look more of the player you think he can be. I don't think you can fault Fields debut. It doesn't get any better than that to come on and smash an equaliser in the way he did. Mm-hmm. And you know it's getting out, and you got you know you got Albert who wants to get on, you've, and you suddenly start seeing players getting a wee bit itchy to get on the pitch rather than just holding back. And I think Willock is a definite for me. He is going to be some player next season. I want to see him and Ilias Chur team up together because I think there there could be some havoc in the championship with them too. Sure, and let's let. Let's not forget the obligatory hat tip to Seni Deng because he made oh, a true. crucial, crucial save when we were one nil down in that first half. And if that had gone in, it would have obviously been even harder. But probably the result would have looked totally different. But also the referee last um, night. I, I was convinced he was sorry. He, he, I thought the referee last night. Sorry, Mark, it's my fault. I'll let you come in in a second. I thought he was appalling. He, he kept booking our players, and I'm sure he was on an accumulator because it was ridiculous. <laughs> the amount of bookings we were getting and the things they were getting away with was shocking. And uh, the, the cheating by, you know, I know this all this thing, you're better than that. But, you know, you don't want to see like Brentford come down there and, and, you know, prove that they are the underdogs. And all your man did was throw himself on the floor and try and get penalties like all the time. So that was disappointed. And Tony, you're better than that. You're not better than the result last night, but you're better than that. And um, I'm kind of hoping, and this is my wee hope here, Mark, I don't know what you think. They lost, they lost on Sunday, they lost yesterday, and if we can play a small part in their downfall, can you imagine how devastated Brentford are going to be if they end up in the playoffs again? They are going to be absolutely unbelievably sad, and I wish we could do that to them. It will be quite funny, but I, I, I'm honestly not that bothered. I, th- I think they're just the kind of club that they're going to do it eventually. I just think they're, they're on an upward curve. I fancy them to do it probably this season. I think the league is weak enough for them to get get it get the job done this season. Fair play to them. I mean, I, I, I thought last night, I thought if, if they spent sort of a half an hour period where they were trying to get ball and came sent off, and I just, I just thought that they're, they're such a good team. You just don't need to do that. I thought it was a bit of a, I thought, I thought if they'd have really applied themselves like they did in that first half an hour, I think they'd have won that game. I just, yeah, I, mean, I just think they got carried away with a bit of arrogance, you know, trying to get players sent off. Canos, there was a nearly, a nearly penalty incident where Canos was absolutely dying to go over, but, um, but Barbe backed off the tackle, and it was, it was just, you could just see it. Well, you could hear it from the bench. I mean, they, and they, they got four for that. They did it in the, the you know the first fixture, which got uh, Warburton so uh, incensed. Um, but what was good, I was reading on the yeah, you know, a quick look at the Brentford message boards. Uh, possibly more of that in the R's end, but um, <clears throat> there was a couple of them saying that you know QPR bullied us in that second half, and and that was really good to read. You know, I mean, you know, it's it's obviously not bullied in the in the physical sense of the word but we 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 just we just stopped them we just stopped them doing what they wanted to do we stopped them having their own way we stopped them uh stopped the Brentford fans uh having one over us once again and, and I thought that was really good to see and I think like you said I think Charlie Austin coming in I think even though he didn't play um <clears throat> Uncle Albert <laughs> and then Field of course um who, who who scores on his debut with with a really good goal um, and um, very good and Johansson did well, well. Really been, well he's like the missing piece of the jigsaw well he was man of the match actually 
you can see, but you know what, though? You say, right, and I know it's terrible, and if it was done against us, we'd probably win to like hell. But I did like that goal celebration, have a glass of red on that to the manager, obviously, because there's obviously some history going on in the last fixture. We're having a glass of red. He always says it after he beats teams and whatever. And they didn't like it up them, did they? He didn't like if you're gonna give it, you're gonna to have to take it. It's as simple as that. And we we've been taking it for friggin' years, so that was nice. And you need that. And I think that's what Austin's brought. Whether he will last the season or not is irrelevant now. He's brought everything we needed back into the team. He's brought together this, the way that De Yang ran down the pitch to celebrate the, the win. And it's it's just bloody brilliant to see more than seeing the guys going on the pitch, coming off with their heads down, going at goal down with their heads down. They're fighting for each other now. And that's all you could ask for. Whatever happens now, even if we lose a few more games and we, you know, we finish and because I, mean, I think we're just destined to finish 16th, whatever happens. Um even though I want us to get in the playoffs. It's just nice to have a football team we can be proud of again. And it was it, our record against them lot is shocking as it is against Fulham. So once Fulham get relegated and Brentford miss out in the playoffs again, you know, next season we can go we can go for the double on both of them. That'd be nice. It made me laugh when Clive Quinn um, Thomas Frank as Audrey Roberts. Oh, <laughs> Audrey Roberts is brilliant, by the way, Mark. That was but you see, Clive does that. I think Clive was waiting for David to meet him down at the um, the office, but David didn't show up, sadly. But, you know, some of the stuff Clive's done. But it, it just, I mean, they call I, it our cup final. I, I no did. I was just there too late for Clive. Well, you were 30 seconds too late on him. But you know what? It's nice. and It's it's just nice to see everyone yeah, getting on, right. everyone having a laugh, everyone enjoying themselves. Wee bit of pride back. And was it, you said, uh, Chris, was it six, 37 games, something like that, though? I mean, Jesus. Six out of seven, we're um, second in the form table um, behind, I can't remember who it is, but... Uh, and yeah. you laughed at me about the playoffs. You laughed, you did. Well, we're still 13 points adrift of the playoffs, I think, so it's going to be a bit of a tall order, but yeah. Do you know what? Never say never. It's a hoop, hoops that kill you. Okay, seems like a good place to do the R's end. I'll go first. Let me say three things. Number one, Sorry, it seemed, I feel like tonight our internet timings connection hasn't been quite right. Obviously, everybody is now living through this with Zoom calls and all that sort of thing. And apologies for sort of any delays on, on uh, any of the audio for anyone, but what can we do? My second one is we jumped into Mark Bircham at the start, so we didn't actually thank the sponsors of the podcast, so let me do that now. Thank you very much to the QPR New York City supporters group who sponsored this episode. Very good of them. Um, and thank you to Adrian Hall, who sponsored the beers. So thank, thank you, you Adrian. You're a good man yourself. And then my only other thing I was going to say, which uh, I actually saw on the club website this week, is a friend of mine is running a campaign, uh, doing the PR for a campaign called Plasma FC, which is an NHS drive to get people who have uh, fans, football fans who have had COVID-19 to register as blood plasma donors, which is a really important part of the research um, that's going to help um, the researchers fight the disease. QPR have signed up to it, have appealed for supporters to do it. So I promised them I would give them a mention for a very worthy cause. And if anybody has had COVID-19 and is interested in donating their blood plasma, you can go to nhsbt.nhs.uk. That's yeah, me doing, done. I'm doing that on Monday, funnily enough. Donate, doing the blood plasma thing. 
Very good. You're a good man. Not so bad yourself. Go on then, Chris. You go. <clears throat> okay. Well, I mean, mine was just basically some of the trolling or trolling, whatever you, however you pronounce it, last night. Um, uh, I'm just going to re- read a couple of these. First of all, the commentator, uh, Nick London, who was on, I don't know if you were on Sky or on um, on the QPR, but uh, he kept calling them Hounslow's finest, uh, which, which I quite enjoyed. Um, uh, and uh, he also made another one made another one last week where he, he said he, he, um, he uh, threaded the ball like a pretzel or something like that. But anyway, I thought getting pretzel in your commentary is, uh, is a good one. There's also the club. They tweeted ding ding with a bus emoji after the game. Uh, and then the highlights, they said these will go nicely with a glass of red. Um, Buzz Killers was another one of theirs. Um, and then, yeah, just the, 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 the stuff that was going on the pitch afterwards. Um, the bad blood um, was quite funny. I think they said, well, yeah, we'll have a lovely glass of wine to celebrate that. One of them shouted to Frank and someone else shouted, I hope you don't shit the bed again like you did last year, which, uh, which, which I thought was brilliant. And then, like I said, going, going through some of the stuff on their forum was um, was, was quite funny last night. If you if you, if you get a chance, then um, it, it's it's worth a read. Uh, yeah, they've just bullied a second half. Make no mistake, we are losing to a poor, poor side here. Um, now I remember this is what it's really like being a Brentford fan. We were second best against QPR, which is all wrong. And even the West Brom fans were getting involved. Samfield and Charlie Austin both down in Brentford. You'd love to see it after all their arrogance last season. And finally... We finally found a way to beat Brentford, Senfield and Austin on loan to QPR. So there you go, a little wrap-up of some of the trolling last night, which I thought was top draw. We need you uh, monitoring all opposition message boards, I think. Yes, I shall shall endeavour to do that. Good assignment. Um, Mark? I will try and whiz through this as quick as possible. Um, David's going to send out a couple of links after, which will tell you more about what I'm about to say. But... um, I'm a member of the Acton Cricket Club, which is pretty local to QPR. Um, We feel four competitive teams on a Saturday, two on a Sunday. We operate a thriving junior setup, uh, comprising of more than 300 boys and girls. Um, We're a club that prides ourselves on diversity, inclusivity. You know, we welcome anyone, whether you're good at cricket or not. It's it's a a one big family. while we have all those things, what we haven't had in recent times is a home, or rather any control of what we've had, what we've been able to call home. For too long, we've been squatted in, squatting in our own field of dreams, but now we have a chance to change that, to dig deep, to ensure we have a home for decades to come. Right now, the club faces a once-in-a-generation opportunity with our old pavilion being taken over by the David Lloyd Leisure Group back in 2017. For the past three seasons, we've been based out of a temporary clubhouse, which was built by our members. Our committee has now secured planning permission and a 99-year lease to build a new permanent home, which will give the club back its identity and enable it to, to enable us to secure our future as a thriving community sports hub, where it'll be used for adults and youth cricket in the summer, and for local youth football and sports organisations in the winter. What we do now faces the challenge of funding the building. Obviously, COVID-19 has decimated the club's income. We don't have wealthy benefactors like a lot of other cricket clubs in Middlesex. Uh, and third-party funding options from sports organisations and charities are, are, are on ice at the moment as the cricket in world adapts to the pandemic. We're having to self-fund all of this. Um, we are aiming to raise a 60k in 2021 to make our dreams of a sustainable future at the heart of the local community a reality 
to do this, we need all the help we can get. In the links, I think David's going to provide you a couple of links. Uh, it's, it's give you a detailed view of what we're trying to do. You know, there's sponsorship um, opportunities. So if you are a local business looking for sponsorship, then yeah, get in touch. All the details are on the links. Um, a lot of the funds raised will also go towards bursaries for underprivileged kids to, to get involved in cricket because sometimes it can be quite pricey. And yeah, um, our club is full of QPR season ticket holders, fans, you know, 30, 40% of our membership base is QPR fans. Um, yeah, QPR has always been a family and I'm here asking for help um, for our Acton Cricket Club family. Very, Thank you. very good. Mark, I'm Sorry, just hearing in my ear that... that... Paul Finney is about to make a smart Alec comment about cricket. Paul, over to you. Well, no, not at all. I think it's a good, good, anything that keeps people interested in sports in local area is only a good thing. I can only wish you well with that, Mark. Cricket just passed me by in life, you know, which is surprising because I would have thought in Belfast we'd be great at cricket because we're quite good at throwing things, but, you know, doesn't seem to be our national sport for some reason. Right, my hour's end is, did anyone... Anyone listen to the podcast last week? I mean, come on, give me some credit here. I knew Roland was going to be called off, called that one. And I also said a ticket went off someone's arse. What happened last night? Came off someone's arse. So yeah. I'm not doing any more predictions. Right. I'm leaving it right there for the rest of my life because I'm never, ever going to pull that off again. So, um, yes. And I'd also, on a serious note, of course, that win was for Richard yesterday, who was buried in his QPR coffin. And... Um, I know his wife Viv, was on a WhatsApp chat with some people last night and she was very emotional, as she would be. So for those who are no longer with us, unless people have lost many people in this pandemic and everything else, that win was for them. It doesn't matter who it was against, it was for them. And smells and QPR faces, brilliant. Loved it last night. Fantastic. And more of the same, please, as we push towards the playoffs. And you, you won't be laughing at me in May, will you, buggers? We will. We'll still okay. be laughing at you. Don't worry about that. Thank you. As long as uh, sure. Having said you're not doing any more predictions, can you give us your prediction, please, for Bournemouth? Certainly. Um, did, did, right, I'm going to have a quick whinge about Bournemouth, by the way. Oh, just quickly. Uh, just, just... Uh, <laughs> what is wrong with them? They're like second managers because they're not in the Premier League. They weren't in the frigging top flight for 120-odd flipping years. So mm. I'm not quite sure why Bournemouth suddenly think they've turned into real flipping Madrid. But, you know, and they're going to appoint Henry as a manager. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and so I'm saying, keep it going, lads. Keep up the good work. And, um, yeah, just put them back in their box. 2-0, Rangers. Thank you very much. No more predictions. That's it for me. <laughs> I'm saying as well, we're carrying it on. 2-0. Mark? Copycat? Pinch, pinch to 1-0. bit like Blackburn. Oh. And Chris? Um, yeah, I was gonna go. I, I, I'll go 2 1, but I'd, I'd yeah, I'd it's one all or 2 1 to us, clearly. We'll go for 2 1. Um, okay, right, that'll do. Thank you all. Uh, sorry for everyone for sort of the delays and sound problems if um, we haven't done a good enough edit on that. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Hopefully we continue this and we make it, what will it be? Six and seven. Six and seven. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been Open All Ours.